You're listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg-Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. Steve Huber here, director of the Liberty Network. Good morning, Liberty Harrisburg. I miss you. Uh, It's good to be with you online this morning. And whether you're joining us from Lebanon and that whole area or the Harrisburg area, whether you're new uh, or you've been part of Liberty Harrisburg for a long time, I'm so glad you're tuning in this morning so we can worship God together. I'm excited, too, about the series that you're in. You're in the midst of a series called The Mission of God's People. God is on a mission, and God brings his people into that mission. This is really important. It's a basic message of the Bible. To be a Christian is to not just be saved by Jesus, but to be part of what Jesus is doing in the world. Jesus involves us. Your mission statement as a church uh, for Liberty Harrisburg and Liberty Lebanon is to live, speak, and serve the very presence of Jesus for Harrisburg. And to live, speak, and serve the very presence of Jesus for Lebanon. I'm really excited about that church plant, by the way. And we're the, the specific aspect of Jesus' mission we're looking at this morning is people who tell the truth. To be on mission with God, we need to be people who speak truth. I'm going to begin with a proverb. Proverbs 14, 15. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. We're at a moment in history where both these things are true, right? In one sense, we believe nothing. We don't know who to believe. We don't believe the left or the right. It's sometimes hard to trust leaders. No one seems to know what the truth is. There's left-leaning media, right-leaning media. And at the same time, we believe anything. People have been drawn to all different kind of conspiracies involving not just COVID-19, but everything in the world. We believe nothing. We believe anything. Yet, here are some words to believe. We're going to listen to some words from Jesus in John 14. These are true words. And so I want to invite you to listen as we tune in to God's word. This is the night before he's crucified. Jesus is speaking this word to his 12 disciples but it's also for his followers of all time and all cultures. We're going to hear truth about our destiny and truth about our mission. Okay. John 14. I'll start with just the first 11 verses. This is the destiny of God's people. The words of Jesus. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. 
This is the sixth of seven I am statements. God's name, Yahweh, in the Bible, first revealed to Moses in the book of Exodus and used throughout all the Hebrew scriptures, throughout the, um, the Old Testament, Yahweh means I am. And Jesus' use of these I am statements is a claim to divinity. He's claiming to have not just a unique relationship with God the Father, but to be God, just as the Father is God. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's the six out of seven I am statements in John's account of Jesus' life. He's saying he's the way to God. Jesus is saying he is God. He's the one who not only uniquely reveals the Father, but he's the way to be reconciled to God. He's the way to be forgiven by God. He's, he is a way to have a restored relationship with God. So part of the truth that Jesus brings is that our relationship with God is broken. Uh, we have sin. We have sin in our lives. Everyone, every broken human being uh, starts out, our default is in a broken relationship with God. And yet Jesus uniquely connects us to God because he brings forgiveness. He reconciles us to God. He repairs the relationship to God. He's the way to know God. He's the way to come to God. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. That truth about our broken relationship with God. The truth about what he has done for us in his death and resurrection. Jesus tells us truth. And he is uniquely the life. Uh, one of the I am statements, Jesus says that he is the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He conquers death. And he's how we conquer death. And so our destiny, look, Jesus tells his followers the truth about our destiny. It's through Jesus, and our destiny is the Father's house. Look again at those beautiful words that Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will again come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. Uh, Jesus wants us to know that our destiny is secure. And here heaven is pictured as the Father's house. Uh, dying for a believer becomes entrance into the presence of the living God. And Jesus is saying, I will surely take you there. I'm going to go there ahead of you. Jesus has conquered death and gone to heaven ahead of us. And we will be reunited not only with God, but with other people who have died. What a security, what a comfort in facing death. So to be a Christian is to have this comfort and security in facing death. We will be reunited with God and also with people. We will be home. I, I think that that's uh, the picture of the Father's house and a unique place for you, a room. It, it's less about, hey, we're supposed to actually 
picture of physical house, but Jesus is saying he, heaven is going to feel like home and there's actually a place prepared for you. What a comfort. What's your destiny? If you're connected to God through Jesus, heaven, God's house, home. What a secure destiny. And there's an offer of the gospel here. For those of you who are new to this, uh, if you're not yet a Christian, consider Jesus' words. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, how do you have this? Put your faith in Jesus. Trust Jesus. Admit that you need to be saved. Admit you need to be forgiven. And put your faith in Jesus. Trust in him. And this is yours. Not only reconciliation to God, but forgiveness and this secure destiny. Uh, what a comfort, what a blessing that the gospel gives us. And look at the humility we should have. Okay, to be a Christian, it's, it's not that we're better. We need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. Everyone needs to be forgiven. Look at all the dumb things the disciples say in this passage. They're not saying true things. Thomas is like, we don't even know where you're going. Can you? Uh, Philip says, if you show us the Father, that would be great. Jesus is the one saying true things. The disciples are like us so often. They don't get it. And look at Jesus' kindness. Jesus says true things. And this destiny uh, is secure. Jesus also, he doesn't just tell us truth about our destiny. He tells us truth about our mission. These next verses are amazing. They've these are life-shaping verses for me. John, the next few verses I'm going to read, I was meditating on before helping to plant the First Liberty Church. Uh, I've loved this, quoted it, prayed through it. It's very formative for me. Encouraged me to go plant this church. If Jesus didn't say it, we wouldn't believe it. Often, we still won't believe this. Here are the words. Here's the truth about our mission. Starting with verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you that whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So what's the truth about our mission? We are going to do the works that Jesus does. Jesus' followers throughout history, as, a commun as communities of faith, as communities of Jesus in every culture, and also as individuals, are going to do works of Jesus. What's your mission? To live, speak, and serve the very presence of Jesus in Harrisburg, and now this church plant in Lebanon. Are those just nice-sounding words, or are they life-shaping words? It actually means this. We're Jesus' hug. Were Jesus' tears? Were Jesus' hug for people who need comfort? Were Jesus' tears for those who mourn? Uh, were Jesus' laughter and joy with people who are rejoicing, and we rejoice with those who rejoice? Were the serving hands of Jesus? We do this as a community of people. We do this individually. The, this is corporate. We do this together. And it's also individual. There are good works in the world that only you can do. Uh, Matt Uloyan, 
does not live at your address and doesn't have your neighbors, Pastor Matt. You do. Uh, could there be unique ways you could bless, serve, and love your neighbors, your coworkers? Pastor John Robinson doesn't have your coworkers, your extended family members, your friends. You do. And as you comfort the depressed, as you serve in practical ways, as you give a ride or a meal, as you uh, love, as you speak words of gospel truth, you're doing the works of Jesus. So Jesus is saying, okay, remember this. This is before Jesus died, the night before he was crucified. God's people are going to do the works that he does. They were scared that the work was going to stop. Jesus is talking about leaving. Are all the amazing things that Jesus has been doing going to stop? Jesus says, no, the, it's going to continue. The church has a mission. The church of Jesus has a mission. And we're going to continue the works of Jesus. What an honor. What a privilege this is. Now, you might be wondering, what are these greater works? How can they be greater? How can these works be greater? How could it possibly be greater than what Jesus did? Jesus raised the dead. Jesus fed the 5,000. How can it be greater? Uh, the scholars behind the ESV study Bible note that, well, the work of evangelism, teaching, mercy and compassion throughout history, going to all different cultures, that Christianity is the largest religion in the world. And it's by far the most diverse in terms of language and culture and people group. Maybe it's greater just in terms of worldwide scope and impact. That's one way it's greater. I think also, though, the key to it being greater, Jesus gives this reason. Because I am going to the Father. Jesus says, whoever believes in him is in, is part of this. The works are going to be greater because he's going to the Father. Now, and in the context of this passage, Jesus sees his going to the Father as key because he's going to send the gift, a very specific gift, of the Holy Spirit. What's going to be greater if Jesus leaves? The Holy Spirit's presence amongst us, amongst the people of God. And actually, uh, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, when the church worldwide remembers the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the church. Jesus doesn't just leave. He arrives. He's not going to leave us as orphans. He's going to come to us. So listen to these words of comfort. Listen to the gift. Listen to how the greater works continue. Starting with verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Jesus is not just leaving. He's arriving. He says, I will come to you. He sends the Holy Spirit. Jesus is with his people in a new way through the presence and person of the Holy Spirit. 
And we live in this age of history. We're in the age of the Spirit. God is at work in the world by his Spirit. Jesus is continuing to work in the world by his Spirit. Now, the word helper here, it's translated sometimes helper, sometimes comforter, um, sometimes uh, advocate or counselor. And it's the Greek word paraclete, paraclete. And it means it's, there's not like one English word that captures everything. It's not comforter as in a quilt comforter. It's a comforter as in an encourager, one who comes alongside and possibly in this legal capacity, an advocate, like a legal counselor. I am with you and for you. I'm going to vouch for you, but also be in you. Why can these works happen? Because of the Holy Spirit. This is how we do the work. Jesus has gone to the Father, and now we have God's presence in us, and God has promised to even work through us. Especially, and specifically in this passage, and then in the context of John, the work of speaking the truth. Okay, the spirit of truth, you notice the gift of the Holy Spirit is described the person of the Spirit. By the way, it's not an it, it's a him. The Holy Spirit is a person, is described as the Spirit of truth. There's two other instances of this in John, and actually John 14, chapter 15, and uh, in the next chapter, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of truth, in John 14, 15, and 16. And it's not truth in the abstract sense. It's the truth, the spirit of truth, helps us to be witnesses to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to John 15. John 15, verse 26 and 27. But when the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And this is to the 12 apostles, but it's also for the church of all time. So what's God's call to you? Liberty Harrisburg, those on the team at Liberty Lebanon. What's God's call to you as a church of Jesus? Three things. First, See the fruit of Spirit-empowered truth-speaking. I just want you to reflect for a second how the Spirit has, even in your own midst, brought people to a knowledge of the truth, the people who have become Christians, and you've been a part of that, the people who have come to Christ, grown in Christ, because the Holy Spirit shows them the truth of God. Uh, let me tell you a few stories. I want to tell you about a, a kid that grew up in Pennsylvania, uh, this this boy grew up in Pennsylvania. His family had some serious issues. Um, he was bright and liked to read a lot. And he grew up going to a rural, rural church. And their Wednesday night uh, youth club. And their Sunday morning Sunday school. And about the time he was 9, 10, 11 years old, he was beginning to see some problems in his family. Uh, he happened to have an, a father who quietly struggled with uh, alcoholism. 
And he wondered if the Christianity was true. He even said that to his mom. I wonder if this is true. I wonder if it's real. There was a Sunday school teacher named Doreen Hanna, who also taught the youth club, who had actually had a rough life, a lot of suffering in her life. But she was faithful. And she spoke about the truth of Jesus. And she was kind, even when this boy was not kind to her. Uh, this boy one time made fun of her car after she was driving away. Uh, driving away. And this is, here she is teaching Sunday school, leading youth group. This kid makes fun of her crummy car. This kid was convicted. She treats me the way she does because she believes these things about Jesus are true. I wonder if this is real. He, he knew that even when he was acting like a punk kid, this woman, Doreen Hannah, spoke the truth of Jesus to him in a loving way. That kid's me. That's my story. And a regular, kind uh, woman who happened to love Jesus a whole lot and was faithful in speaking truth week in and week out is part of my conversion and coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And that was tested as I grew up. And there are definitely ways I wrestled in faith. But I became a Christian as a kid from someone speaking truth to me faithfully. You know the story of Joe Marlin. Uh, I shared the gospel with Joe Marlin, who happened to come from a bare, very broken home, super broken. And you know how he came to faith in Jesus Christ as a 15, I think he was 16 by the time he came to faith. And you support his church plant in, in uh, Gloucester City. And he's texting me about, I'd say it's about once every three weeks about a person who he's led to faith in Gloucester City. Stacy, I'm just going to tell Stacy's story. She was, as far as I can tell, God knows, but as, as, as far as I can tell, she was the first person to come to faith through Liberty Church anywhere. And there is a, uh, this is about 2003 at the time. We live in a neighborhood in the city where there is no public green space at all. And there was a park set aside. There was a, a factory was torn down. We're going to turn this lot into a park. And that had happened before the church had started, but there's still a lot of work to be done on this, what's now a very nice park. But I got Liberty Church team members and we had started to meet as a church. Hey, let's, as a way to love our community, help out this park. And she had seen us serving in the community in different ways. And she came up and said to me, Hey, your people serve a lot. Is there a study I could go to or something to check this out? Those were her words. It sounds like a Christian skit or something. But she was literally like, could I come learn about this? Your people serve a lot. They saw the truth of Jesus lived out. And she showed up, came to some Bible studies came to church on Sundays, and she became a Christian. One more quick story. A friend of mine uh, buried his mother a couple months ago, and he wrote uh, 
he wrote me an email this week. He's seeing how God used his dad, a quote, simple farmer, and a simple quote, farmer's wife, who reached out in friendship, love, and gospel witness and blessed numerous people. He's just seeing the fruit of her life, uh, including he got a letter from an Amish couple this week who basically explained, your parents were surrogate parents to us. We missed her. We were super far away from our family in Lancaster and in central Pennsylvania. This woman and her husband were so kind to them. This Amish family never forgot them and were touched, knew that they were Christians, knew that they loved Jesus. Um, the Amish couple shared that their now grown children still fondly remember them. Why? Uh, that woman lived, speaked, and served as the very presence of Christ in simple ways. See the fruit of spirit-empowered truth-speaking. And it does need to be part of a lifestyle too, right? We don't just speak the truth, but we live as followers of Christ and our lifestyle and words have to match and we don't do it perfectly. And sometimes we need to repent. Sometimes we need to say, yes, this is an area of struggle and sin. This is an area where I'm not living, where I've messed up. We need to be people who are quick to admit our sins and we can do that because guess what? Jesus died for them. So see the fruit of spirit empowered truth speaking. And remember, the Spirit continues to be at work. Just this week, uh, some of you might have heard that a famous evangelist uh, passed away from can cancer. Ravi Zacharias was known as someone who explained the faith well and who, very, who would honor skeptics and people who don't believe and engage them in a deep way with their questions and articulate the Christian faith. His story is amazing. He was on the verge of suicide as a 17-year-old, and he was saved through this passage, the passage we're reading this week. As a suicidal 17-year-old, um, he, uh, Pastor John Robinson, reminded me of this. And I looked it up this week. When Jesus says, because I live, you also will live, that made Ravi Zacharias decide not to commit suicide. And when Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life, Ravi Zacharias not only became a Christian, but he decided as a young man to leave no, quote, no, stern, no stone unturned in pursuing truth. He was going to pursue truth no matter where it took him. And look how God used him. The gospel's real. The gospel's true. Look at the, the truth of the gospel and the fruit of spirit-empowered truth-speaking. Second point, pray for Holy Spirit-empowered truth-speaking. We're people who speak the truth and we need the Spirit to help us, but pray. Remember Jesus' words, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. You should pray for the use of all your gifts, for your service, for your love, for the people you're going to do hospitality with, for how you act at work. You should pray that you serve with God's strength and help and power about everything, especially in this moment, speaking the truth can be, can be difficult. We're told 
in this cultural moment to keep personal beliefs personal. And I don't want us to be obnoxious Christians. I don't want us to be people who don't honor the opinions of others, the questions of others, the doubts of others. But do we not need to, in obedience and also out of love, speak truth? Hey, we think God's real. We think God is real. We think that Jesus is the Son of God and that he came to save people. And it's actually true that the reason why Christianity is the, the biggest religion in the world, uh, where you look at the story, it doesn't seem likely that that would happen. It's actually true and real, and there's power in it. Uh, I prayed this that I would have chance to share my faith. And I got, just in meditating on this passage and in thinking about speaking this, I was like, you know what, I want to have chance to, this week, even in quarantine, to share this. And I, I had a wonderful talk with my mechanics, my car mechanics recently. And uh, I've befriended these guys and become close over the years and shared things, hard things going on in my life. They have opened up about things going on in their lives. And a lot of people in our church go to the same shop. And that's also been made the gospel attractive because by God's grace, the people that they met from the church have been kind. But we just had a wonderful conversation. And I actually threw that out there. Could it be true that Christianity is the world's largest religion because it's real, because it's true. And I shared some of the things that God has done for me and in me. And I told them I would pray for some of the things going on in their lives. Uh, I've received, by God's grace, I've received their real love and I love them. So who in your life could you share gospel truth with? Who could you pray? I pray that I'd share gospel truth with. Who are the people in your life that you could do that with? And you might say, this is a frequently asked question, you know, how do I do it? I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I don't, uh, I'm not Matt Luloyan. I don't have, I'm not, it's not going to be this slick presentation. Don't be slick. Just share a story of God's grace in your life. How's God worked in your life? Just be real about your story. How's God helped your marriage? How's God humbled you? How's God made you less proud? Uh, don't be embarrassed about an answer prayer. Own it. Say, we prayed for this and God did it. Say, hey, we buried this relative that we loved who loved Jesus and I saw the fruit of it, the kindness in his life. And you know what? To me, that I really do think it's true. The gospel is true. Share your story. Uh, don't hide your light under a bushel. A bushel is a basket. Let me, don't put, let your little light shine. Jesus says, don't put a basket over it. Let it shine. Share what God's done in your life. Share your stories of grace. You know how Christianity spread? It wasn't, there were powerful preachers in the early church and, you know, powerful people who did amazing sermons, the great majority of how Christianity spread in the world is simple people telling their story. There's a book about this called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church by Alan Kreider. And mostly Christianity spread 
as norm, normal common people shared it with their neighbors and had changed lives. That's how Christianity spread. Speak truth. Who could you share truth with? And finally, I want to leave you with this. Third thing, the mission of the people of God needs to be refreshed in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be refreshed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, what do we do when the interconnection's not working? You're like, I was thought I was on this website. You hit refresh. Often we need to hit refresh on our connection with God. Being filled with the Spirit is actually an ongoing command. God, I pray that you would be present in my life today. I pray that I'd lean on you, experience your presence, and look to you as I go throughout my day. Give me opportunity. Say things like that. Refresh the connection. How do we get boldness? Claire Davis is a retired Westminster Theological Seminary professor. So Westminster Theological Seminary is this Presbyterian seminary outside Philadelphia. It's where I happen to go. Uh, Claire Davis is now a retired church history professor. He's in his 80s. He happens to now. It's been super fun having him at Liberty River Wards. He wrote an email. Uh, it's kind of like his, his blog. He sends out this wide email. He wrote it in May uh, this month, just a few weeks ago, and he speaks about the connection between wisdom uh, and boldness and the Holy Spirit. This is what he says. Let's be radical, I'm quoting Claire Davis. Let's be radical and ask the Pentecostals for wisdom. We've been nervous about them. And he goes on to saying, hey, there's things in the charismatic stream of the church. There are abuses, there are extremes. There are things that are not healthy, but also, uh, by the way, that's the fastest growing um, part of the family of Jesus. Uh, charismatic churches are growing all throughout the world. And he says this. He says, hey, there's things we should be nervous about that, that we are nervous about. And there are extremes, but shouldn't we try to learn from our brothers and sisters? And he says... One and he talks about um, William Menzi, who wrote a book called Spirit and Power, and he was friends with William Menzi, and the insight, and still is to this day, the insight, the heart of our missional calling, quote, is about boldness in our witness. The gift of the Spirit, Claire Davis says, don't we see in the scripture that the gift of the Spirit, a lot of it is about boldness and witness and owning our mission. Should we not learn from our charismatic brothers and sisters in this? And isn't this in the scriptures? We need the Holy Spirit to be bold um, in living for Jesus and then boldly speak the truth of Jesus. So Harrisburg, be refreshed in the power of the Holy Spirit depend on Jesus, lean on Jesus. Allow me to close us in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, we do pray that you would refresh us even now. We thank you that our destiny is secure. Our destiny as your people is secure through Jesus. We don't have to fear death. 
We know the truth about where we're going. Uh, we pray that we know the truth about our mission. We pray we'd be people who speak gospel truth out of love and tell our stories of grace. We pray that we tell our stories to glorify you, to love our friends. Um, we pray that we would grow in wisdom and graciousness. We pray for people today who are participating online. We pray that you would show them that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We pray that people would come to faith in you and be saved even today. Lord, do that today. And we pray that people that are on our journey would reach out, that you would bless the dialogue at Liberty Lebanon and Liberty Harrisburg. Lord, we love you. We pray you'd make us bold in witness. And we ask, that, ask this and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Liberty Harrisburg, I love you. Hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.